This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation. And Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Welcome back. It's time for another edition of Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast also heard on the bet on the radio in Las Vegas. Thanks for being with us, both audiences and our third audience, of course, our YouTube audience. They missed us on Tuesday. The The show got scrapped on Tuesday. All my fault. Had nothing to do with Mo. It was all me. Technical issue. And it was a really good show, too. And, and you'll never hear it. You could hear my side of it, just me, but what fun would that be? It's it's a show with two guys. Two guys, in fact. I'm Scott Branson, your host. I uh, am also an editor-writer over at SportsNot.com, and my partner, Mo Moten, senior NFL writer at Bleacher Report, covers the entire NFL, also a sports columnist at, uh, excuse me, Raiders columnist at SportsNot.com. Dot com. Follow him on Twitter at Mo Moton, M O E M O T O N. I am at L V Gully. The show is SNB today. Mo, yeah, um, that's the first time we've had issues where we've had to re record things before because I've screwed up or something screwed up. The internet went out, whatever. But man, I was so bummed because we just railed through that show for Tuesday. And then I go to send it to, to Mike Rabier, our producer. And it's just it's just me, the one angle of you, the the remote guest, uh, with us being in two cities. It's just gone. So all that goodness and all of that pontificating that you had, it's gone into the ethos. Scott's uh, selfish ego got in the way of uh, letting <laughs> that show be heard from both sides. He just wanted himself. Uh, didn't work out well for him, but <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It, you know what? You know what though? You know what's cool though? Even though they didn't get to see or hear that show, we did a great segment with our with our correspondent Adrian Hernandez, and I think a lot of the stuff that we talked about with Adrian, well, a lot of stuff that we talked about on that show, are stuff that we also talked about with Adrian. So they'll get a lot of that when that drops on, I believe, Friday. Yeah, Adrian, uh, tomorrow, Adrian Hernandez, as, as as Mo mentioned, our correspondent in Las Vegas with our Odyssey radio station there. He's with the, the bet there, but he also does work, for those of you in Las Vegas, the Chet Buchanan show on the FM side. He's just everywhere. He does a lot of stuff for Odyssey Sports as well around the world of wrestling, which I still don't understand all of you, including Mo, into <laughs> wrestling, but I respect it. It's a big business and people love it. And Adrian does too as well. So yeah, check that out. We will link that out as soon as Adrian puts it out. He's great with video as well. So we'll do that. But Mo, a little bit of news. Little bit of news, right? Jimmy okay. Garoppolo 
has restructured his contract. The, the, the Raiders were in cap hell. They were $10 million over the cap. And they have they had to get down below the cap. I think it's before the eighth, not or no, excuse me, the eighteenth or something. I can't remember the date, but they have to get there. NFL rules. Maybe you have it because you're more detailed than I am. And um, so they they restructure the deal, and immediately there's crying, gnashing of teeth amongst some in Raider Nation who don't understand how contracts work. And oh, now he's going to be back in 2024, which he was going to be anyway. Let me get your first pass uh, and take on the Jimmy Garoppolo contract restructure. Obviously, it helps the team. Um, I tweeted out he does a solid for the team. It's a solid for him, too. And I think clearly this indicates they're committed for two years. Clearly. I, yeah, I think you said it at the end there. I think we expected Jimmy Garoppolo to have two years with the Raiders. Now, they could have you know, parted after one, had some cap penalty there, but... I think when you sign a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, even at his age, I believe he's his early 30s, you're expecting to get at least two years so that even if you get your franchise quarterback or a young guy next year, you don't have to rush that young guy to play right away. He, he'll he be behind Jimmy Garoppolo until he's ready. Usually that's how it goes when you have a bridge gap quarterback. It's usually a two-year type of agreement so to speak but of course things happen injuries the rookie shows that he's ready right away that could change that but i I don't think that that move that they made creating cap space changed much of anything about the Raiders roster a lot of as you said a lot of people expected oh maybe they're making a big move but vinnie bonson you are i believe said they as you said they were they were about 11 million closer to 11 than 10 million under uh so or over so they had to do some housekeeping to get things uh, right with their with their cap space. Though I will say, there is a little bit of money left to sign a free agent, uh, you know, a, a cheap veteran if they want to fill, I don't know, their linebacker spot, which we're worried about. Calvin Noe is still out there, by the way. So he is. I'm just saying, but just putting that out there. And the national media, including our own outlet, SportsNot.com, Mo, has started to get the Patrick Queen stuff into these stories about. Guys out there still available, linked to the Raiders, Jimmy Garoppolo contract restructures. Could they be setting something up there? Who knows, right? So, so there still could be some some movement going on here uh, as well. So, it's going to be fun to see how it all works out. Now, I did a, a, a silver and black blitz yesterday on the Chandler Jones situation. Just odd. Um, we don't know what's going on. Uh, we had m- media availability yesterday on Wednesday. Not a lot of detail there, clearly. So so it, they're obviously handling this in-house, as should be handled. And I said in that show yesterday, or excuse me, on Tuesday, Mo, that I hope he's okay, right? Number one, you, you think about the human being, right? Everybody goes to, oh, he sucks, get rid of him. And I understand that reaction, too. But at the same time, I hope he's okay as an individual. He did have an incident, not similar but, but odd behavior when he was in New England. And he showed up at a police station in the middle of the night, shirtless, going on the ground saying, somebody sent me here. And then they went to his house and apparently they smelled marijuana. They never arrested him. He was never charged with anything. And uh, I think they got him medical attention. So it, it, but, but in between that, Chandler Jones has been a pretty straight-laced guy. There's been no issues or anything like that. So I wonder what's going on there. And uh, with the amount of money they have to Chandler Jones, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting to see how they handle this situation um, moving forward. 
upright. And a lot of people wanted to say, uh, I can't believe Chandler Jones would do this. And I get it from the outside perspective. He says he's been pretty quiet and pretty model model player up until this point. But as you said, I had to kind of point out to people that, as you noted, in 2016, he did have a bizarre episode. So not that he's been this way all along, but it is in his distant past. Absolutely. All right, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Jason Lockenfora, of course, NFL insider at Odyssey, Washington Post, the In the Huddle podcast with our good friend Baldy as well. So make sure you stay tuned. We're going to talk to him about the NFL, but also the Raiders. We want to get some outside. Everybody wants to be insular these days and only hear the kind of stuff that comes from people wearing silver and black glasses. We like to expand and we like to talk to experts. Of course, Jason also was a NFL uh, executive, a personnel executive. So he's going to give us some insight on that. We'll have some interesting questions. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Silver and Black today here on The Bet in Las Vegas, also an Odyssey original podcast. Don't go anywhere. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit HelloAlma.com Therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's HelloAlma.com Therapy60. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back. Silver and Black today here on The Bet in Las Vegas. Also, Odyssey Original Podcast. Remember, always subscribe to the show. Turn on the auto-download. We appreciate that. Uh, as always, back with you, Mo Moten, senior NFL writer over at Bleacher Report as well. Here with me as my co-host and joining us now, Jason for of course, our NFL insider at Odyssey. You can catch his work on the In the Huddle podcast. If you don't already subscribe to that, you have to. Great talk about football, betting, everything you want. Baldy's there, too, uh, as well as reading his stuff up on the Washington Post, which I do all the time as well. Jason, thanks for being with us here on Silver and Black today. Thanks for having me. Uh, hope springs eternal, right? It's a great uh, <laughs> great time to be an NFL fan. Absolutely. Uh, and One day it'll be seven days a week as far as games go if the owners had their way. Oh, oh, count on yeah. it. Bank yeah, they, they they won't. They're working on that 18th game. Five I know. Five at least. Five a week, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah five a week, probably. <laughs> You're right. I want to start with you at the very kind of 50,000-foot level with this NFL season and get your thoughts on kind of some of the big storylines. What, what storylines to you as we enter this season, maybe one or two that you're really following and you think is going to be sort of the story for the NFL? It could be a team. It could be a player. What are you seeing out there <sighs> that you'd share with the folks? Well, I, I mean, 
Anytime you have a, a rookie class of quarterbacks like this, right, who are drafted that high, and we're going to debate over time, you know, how much of that might have been need, you know, how much of that might have been teams reaching, um, just sort of this confluence of desperation. But but regardless, you know, there's three of them who are going to hit the ground running. They're going to be playing right away. Um, and they have interesting skill sets, and I, I think some are probably in better positions to succeed short and learn, long term based on the people around them and, and and specifically the coaching staffs, right, that are, some of them might be better equipped than others to really kind of incubate and develop them. But any, anytime you sort of have, have that, right, plus this sort of group of young quarterbacks who we don't really know what they are yet, right, I'm, I mean, like Justin Fields, Jordan Love, um, you know, there's Brock Purdy, Right. Like, OK, so that's six quarterbacks right there. We've just touched on. Right. Thirty two teams in the league. That, that's a pretty decent percentage right there. And I'm sure, you know, there, there's a few that I'm I'm leaving out that are that are in that wait and see or prove it mode. So who breaks through? You know what I mean? Can somebody do what a Trevor Lawrence did last year? Is is there is there a diamond in the rough there? You know, I, I would throw Kenny Pickett in there. Right. I mean, he, he started half the season. Right. I mean, what he play? Like week four, week five, week six, week seven, bye week, week nine really takes over as the full-time starter coming out of the bye week. I'd put him in that classification. So is someone in that group going to pop? I think it's Kenny Pickett. Um, that intrigues me. Uh, Short-term, some of these contract situations and how they get resolved and when they get resolved. Um, and it's interesting because there seems to be more collective resolve among the pass rushers than the running backs when it comes to taking this stuff to the mat, bleeding it through the preseason, bleeding it into the regular season. Now – that's also not surprising, right? Because people are running around like crazy throwing money at edge rushers and it's tough sledding for running backs. Although I think Josh Jacobs and, and his agent, Chad Weasling, who lives about uh, 10 minutes from here, um, <laughs> shout out to the weasel. I think those guys did a great job uh, and, and did the best they could under the circumstances. But for that position group, it was tough. Um, and I don't think it's getting any easier. So other things I'm looking at is this trade deadline, right? Because I don't think all these situations are going to be resolved the way everybody wants them to be. I think there's some obviously lingering ill will, uh, like with this Jonathan Taylor situation. Mm. Um, so do, do one or two of those guys end up uh, changing residences by the middle of the year like a Christian McCaffrey last year? And does that sort of sway the balance of power a little bit? Is there a power move to be made there? Um, and again, we know there's a fair amount of disgruntled running backs out there. So, I mean, th those are those are some of the things. Um, and I think, look, from a macro level as well, I hate to say it because it's in your guys' division, but it, it looks like this whole, like, paradigm dynasty thing, at least within the AFC, right, has shifted from Foxborough to Arrowhead. And I just don't think it lets up anytime soon. I don't think it's going away. I don't know that it's going to re result in seven rings like Belichick and Brady, but it might be more than four. You know, they're halfway to four. Yeah. And Andy Reid has been through a lot. And he's as stuck in as ever. When you think about things that have happened to his sons, things that have happened in his personal life, um, and, and he keeps chugging along. And, I mean, what is this? I think this is Patrick Mahomes. It's only his sixth opening day start. Yeah. And they signed that cat to basically a 12- or 13-year deal. 
Okay. <laughs> Good luck dealing with that. It's the it's the most important, as you know, most important position in football, and and you got to have a transcendent quarterback if you're going to build something like that. Mo, you had a question. So, Jason, just getting into the Raiders, I I don't know if you've been following the whole Chandler Jones saga. He had a he had an issue on social media where basically he's saying he wants out, doesn't want Josh McDaniels to be his head coach, doesn't want Dave Ziegler to be his GM. Now, Raider fans are saying. Why do we always have these big, weird stories right before the season? I don't know if you remember Antonio Brown. There was the trade with Khalil oh, yeah. Mack on September 1st. I, I remember you had some some stories on that, too. But from your perspective as an insider, do you feel like the Raiders have more issues than most teams before the season? Or do other teams just have things that pop up, you know, days or a week before yeah. the season opener? I don't know about more than most right before the season. I, I'd have to take some time and kind of think think about it. Um but look, they've they, they've had their their fair share of issues. I mean, they're, they're, this league is set up for parity, right? And every three or four years, even if you're a pretty misguided franchise, you you, you should kind of crest to the top, right? And and have your moment to compete or quasi compete. You know, even Dan Snyder made the playoffs every five six years, right? And if you're not, and if that's all you are, or you're less than that, then it's probably an indictment on you. Because again, this system is set up to reward you just for staying in business, just for keeping the gates open, just for just for you know showing up for your games, right? The way the schedule works, the way the draft works, the way the, the revenue sharing works, um, the way municipalities are falling all over themselves to build stadiums for really rich guys. <laughs> and yet still you can't really compete, right? So what's that all about? Um, I think it speaks to issues that have lingered in management. I think it speaks to issues that have lingered in ownership. Um, but this Chandler Jones thing, I think you, you kind of have to look at a little bit um, like through a, a, a portal. Like Chandler Jones is a different kind of guy. Chandler Jones has had some issues in the past. Um they gave Chandler Jones a whole lot of money. It didn't work out last year. He wasn't the same guy that he was a couple years prior in Arizona. Um, and, yeah, there have been players who have kind of bristled or blanched at what one coach or another coach has kind of um, rubbed them wrong or whatever for a long time there. Uh, I don't know exactly what's going on with, with Chandler Jones and, and what set him off. Um Again, it was a rich contract. It was a contract with some guarantees that look really good for the player right now. And there's not going to be a whole lot of other teams or really any that are going to want to take that on. You know, so like the idea of a trade, like they're not going to cut him and let him set him free, I don't think. And I don't see a trade emerging, you know, unless he was willing to move stuff around. Mm -hmm. It's just unfortunate because they got to, and I'm not sure he's the guy at this stage of his career. They've got to find somebody else to take something off Max Crosby's shoulders, right? Like, you got to find – like, that Robin is out there somewhere. You've got Batman. You can't find Robin. Like, they've <laughs> got to find – they've got to find Robin at some point here soon if that defense is ever going to break through and, and and really, you know, show some teeth week in, week out. It, it's a team sport. An individual can only do so much. So, yeah, like, on a certain level, the, uh, have the Raiders been an ineffective franchise? I, I, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And they can't hide behind worst stadium in the league anymore. You know, they can't hide behind. We don't have the creature comforts. We don't have the facilities. We don't have the team headquarters. They, they can't hide behind any of that anymore. So there, there really shouldn't be any excuses. 
No, you know, go back and look at the contract he was. You know, he gave Gruden, and oh, obviously yeah. that dissolved for whatever reasons. And we'll see what the courts say about it. But yeah. look at what he was willing to do there. Like so, the the, the money's there, the resources are there. You know, at, at some point they got to figure some things out. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned that's the one thing too we hear from a lot of fans who listen to the show is, oh, Mark Davis is poor now. You saw the value of the franchise go up. And the cash is coming in like it didn't in Oakland for all the reasons you said, Jason, the stadium, corporate dollars coming in. So so they, they have more money than they've had in the past as well. But that doesn't always translate to success, as we know. We can we can point to many, many examples of that. Speaking of the Raiders now, one of the things, too, I know Raider fans and we always try to try to voice some of their opinions. They always get upset at national, quote unquote, national media. So folks that aren't covering the team on a, on a daily basis because they've had a lot of years of frustration. And, and listen, on this show, we're objective, too. So we tell it like it is. And sometimes they don't want to listen because we're telling them bad news or we're being objective. But when you look at the Raiders overall going into this season, you mentioned obviously Chandler, Chandler Jones having that other defensive end. They draft Tyree Wilson, who's coming off an injury, and he may be a really good player. It's going to take him some time to get back from that foot injury. But when you look at this Raiders squad heading into 2023 with what you said about the Chiefs, Sean Payton's in Denver now, the Chargers are the Chargers, and they always have talent, never seem to get over the hump. When you look at the Raiders, though, what they have, what they don't have heading into the season, a lot of people picking them three wins, Jason, and I think that's too low, uh, even with the tough division and with the AFC conference being so difficult. But when, when you look at the Raiders this season, sort of what's, what's your takeaway, what's your view of where they're at and what they could be this coming season? I'm not going to lie. They're an afterthought for me. I, I, I don't see a scenario um, unfolding where they're they're able to contend. Um, if they were in the NFC, you know, if they swap places, let's say, for instance, with with, you know, their old Bay Area buddies in San Francisco, then I, I could concoct a scenario where at least they're on the periphery of a playoff spot, if not better than that. Um, with the expanded playoff field, and they're playing meaningful games around Christmas. Like, I could mm. do that if they were in the NFC West, right? Because I'd be sitting yeah. there saying, all right, well, Seattle's pretty good, but, I mean, Arizona's a joke. You know what I mean? Like, the Rams are in total rebuild mode. Their mm -hmm. coach might walk at the end. Of so I could do that. That's unfortunately not their scenario. Not even close. So, I, I'm, I, you know, it's a stopgap quarterback. It's just a lot of stuff that – for me, doesn't feel very real. You know, it mm. feels kind of transitiony. It feels kind of transitory. Um, I don't know what to bank on there. You know what I mean? Even the Jacobs thing, like they had to keep him. He's their offense, but it's a band-aid. Mm. You know what I mean? Like who, you guys tell me who are the found, like who are the cornerstones? Like who are the four or five franchise cornerstones that you feel like are absolutely going to be impact performers and best of breed type guys whenever this franchise finally turns the corner. Who are they? Yeah, I mean, I think you mentioned Crosby. Uh, Jacobs, okay. I, Jacobs is there a year. I think he's gone after the season, really, honestly. Right. And then Col you have Devontae Col Adams, Colton Miller on the line. Colton Miller. You know, so like, I, they got a ways to go. You know, <laughs> I, I think it's just as simple as that. <laughs> Um, now, they've done some interesting things within the division, mm -hmm. you know? So, like, like even they, they seem to have had Denver's number. 
right? We'll see if that holds week one. And if it does, that's one of the people saying three wins. That's one right there. <laughs> and it wouldn't shock me if they swept Denver because, again, that's kind of in their DNA. And then, you know, can they pick one, a couple up here, a couple up there? <sighs> but do I see them even flirting with a wild card? I, I, I don't, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, how many games is Jimmy Garoppolo going to play? No, is it five? Is it ten? Is it twelve? I don't think it's seventeen. I mean, there's you know, there's like there's not much in his DNA recently that would say, you know what I mean? It's it's, it's a big bad. question mark, no question. You know, it's just it there it's a very odd thing. I mean, a year ago at this time, they had just invested in what was supposed to be their offensive identity which was this Devontae Adams, Derek Carr reunion, right? I mean, they put a lot of money in those guys' pockets. And Jared Stidham starting games for them in January, in December. Like, <laughs> you know, that strikes me as something that's probably not getting resolved in the offseason. Right. Um, you know, and if something happens to Jimmy G, what are you doing? I would say play the kid who was you looked pretty good in the preseason. You know, like, I don't know that you need to – again, I like Brian Hoyer. I know him personally. I'm a, I think he's a great dude. I go way back with him. But you don't need to see it. You know what I mean? Like, especially a team that's in transition and sort of rebuilding again or whatever term you want to use. Like, I don't think you need to see Brian Hoyer start football games. <laughs> like, I, I just don't – you know what I mean? Like, I don't – like, We've... I don't see that making sense on any level. So, you yeah. you know, maybe that beca- – maybe, maybe McDaniels found somebody. You know, yeah, like, maybe. And I'm a fan of Josh's work um, over time. And I was wow. a firm believer that Josh McDaniels, given a second chance to be a head coach, was going to right a lot of wrongs and was going to have a very different trajectory. Um, I believe that full throatedly. Yeah. But that's going to like if that's going to be the narrative, if I'm going to be right, then <laughs> the, a lot of things are going to have to change and they're going to have to have found some hidden gems and they're going to have to. At some point here, develop a quarterback because, again, Jimmy G, you're sitting here saying, is he going to be available in October? I got news for you. I don't think he's back there next October, no matter what happens. Like, I, I think that's probably a bridge too far. So do they find a quarterback along the way? Do they develop some younger skill players? Do they have an identity? Do they have mm-hmm. a discernible direction as a franchise by the end of the season? Are we talking about potential cornerstones? You know what I mean? And it's more sure. than a pass rusher who's rubbing up on – I mean, what is it, year six or seven for him? You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel yeah. like Max is a spring chicken. You know what I mean? A, a tackle who they drafted five, six years ago. Like, it, hopefully that list is longer. So let's clear the air. So I guess you don't have the Raiders, you know, finishing with a good record. And a lot of a lot of outlets don't. And some fans don't. So I'll ask you this. You know what happens to teams that aren't playing well close to the trade deadline? They start trading off decent players who oh, have yeah. trade value. I've gone on plenty of shows, and they've asked me, Mo, is there a chance that the Raiders part ways with Devontae Adams? I've said no, but you're the insider. You hear all the chirping behind the scenes. What would you say is the, is the probability or percentage, if you want to give a percentage, that if the Raiders aren't good by the trade deadline, they have two to three wins, do you think they would consider moving Devontae Adams with his contract and, and probably the cap penalties they would have to take moving him? I think you have to be like everybody has a price, you know, the value is the name of the game in this league. And you brought him there for one thing. You thought you were this team, right? With a quarterback who was going to turn the page, 
because all the creature comforts were there and you got this six, seven freaking nature tight end, right? Who nobody can, can man up on. And you got to bracket him and you got to bracket Devante. So here we go. We don't our defense isn't great, but that's okay. Crosby will get some fourth quarter sacks. We'll score 30 something a game. Like that's gone. Like, you know what I mean, that's gone. Like, I, I don't know that you're selling that right now. I don't think you can sell that right now. Like, so no, I think you have to be open to, to listen on things like that. And that wave of receivers, right, has sort of like that. That was a, a tidal wave that kind of crashed over a couple of off seasons. And now most of those guys have have their new spots, and they're not going anywhere else because it's working out pretty well, right? It's working out pretty good for AJ Brown. It's working out pretty good, you know, for for Tyreek Hill, especially when Tua is his quarterback. Like so, outside of Diggs, and I'm not even sure he's as disgruntled as some would make it sound. Like. There's not a whole lot of that out there. So if there is a team that feels like they are a receiver away, and they and the Raiders are who I think they're going to be, and who a lot of people think they're going to be, and who, you know, the people who set odds at Vegas think they're going to be, mm-hmm. then I, I think you'd be really naive to cling to that asset, just hoping and praying that whatever quarterback he's with the following year makes it better, you know. And now he's a year older, and it's a whole long off season, and what happens if he gets hurt? You know what I mean? In week 15, chasing 1,500 receiving yards or whatever the goal is, because it's probably not a team goal at that point, like realistically, <laughs> right? And he gets hurt, and now we can't trade him in the offseason. We can't trade him at the draft because he's coming off, God forbid, and you know what I mean? He's rehabbing an Achilles. He's rehabbing an ACL. So now I, I think they have to continue to think big picture because, again, you paint me a short-term picture where they can compete in the AFC this year. You know, you could bring Waller back. You could bring that whole cast back together and add a few dudes. I still don't think that's enough because mm. the defense, I don't think, is going to really be able to get off the field. And there's too many damn good quarterbacks in the AFC and good offensive lines and good play callers and game scripters. And, like, I, I just don't think they can match up. So, yeah, I think they should be – well, and we know there's a lot of things that, you know, Mark does – to try to mimic his dad, right? Like that's very much. <laughs> so like well, Al Davis, when he didn't think he could win a Super Bowl that year, he was, oh, he'd be the first guy to, you know, back before the trade line, trade deadline was even really a thing in this league, he'd be letting people know. He'd send the facts out. You can have this guy, this guy, this guy. This, I'm willing to talk about, like, he'd get ahead of the curve. Hey, we're open for business. You know, you'd yeah. hear it all the time 20 years ago, 25 years ago. So <laughs> no, it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't mm-hmm. shock me. Well, let me ask you this, Jason, uh, before we let you go, and I thank you for being so generous with your time today with us here on Silver and Black today. Um, the Josh McDaniels situation you talked about and, and you you said, hey, you think he can do it. There seems to be, though, I think, and, and I don't know when you, because you're around the national NFL media a lot more than we are, but it seems as though people just are not buying in on him. Now, I think this this year in Vegas, actually, everything we hear on the ground is that the players are. So he's got that kind of culture switch that happened part of last year and some of the guys that weren't bought in are obviously gone. Uh, but from a national basis, I just I hear a lot of skepticism still around Josh McDaniels. Um, where is that coming from, from your perspective? And is that really the only cure for that is for him to, to go out and do something that he hasn't done before, which is maybe win, progress, and, and show that he is a different coach in his second stint. But what's your take on that kind of national sort of skepticism around Josh and what he's doing in Las Vegas? Well, I think it's grounded in several things. Um, some of it, 
he's a symptom of and some of it he's a maybe a more it's more a product of of his own body of work but like there's you'd have to be walking around with blinders on not to have noticed how many of bill belichick's disciples mm-hmm. have failed how many of bill belichick's disciples have failed trying to mimic bill belichick trying to be something they're not you know the tough guy routine um you know coming in guns ablaze making examples out of people like pretending that you're bringing his resume with you instead of your own so that that's that's been a thing it's happened for going on decades now and josh in denver was emblematic of that and he spoke openly about it like there's things he wishes he did differently a lot of things he'd like to take back right so you've got him being a part of this whole league-wide phenomenon where hey if you take one of these belichick guys be, be ready for the players to hate him be ready for it to fail be ready to fire him in a couple of years um <laughs> He burned a lot of – Josh burned some bridges along the way because he was that way. So there's some people who aren't really into second chances or whatever, you know, so they've already kind of written them off. Um, and then last year was – I mean, last year went worse than I thought it could get. Like, yeah. like, if you're telling me Jared Stidham starting games for competitive reasons, you know, I would not have bought that. Like, mm-hmm. I thought the Raiders were a team that Vegas was a little soft on, that people were a little soft on. Did I think they could, like, win a division or win a playoff game? No. Did, did I think they could be sniffing around a wild card spot with three, four weeks left? I did. I was way wrong. Um, like, a lot went awry. And there was the all, a lot of stuff in the past kind of re- re-percolated, right, about is he connecting with players and what are people saying about him behind the scenes and what are the interpersonal dynamics like? So I, I understand why people were skeptical and I understand why those skeptics would double down. And again, I, I have reservations. Um, but I also know the kind of person he can be. I know the kind of offensive mind that he is. Uh, but they've dug themselves a hole now, right? Like, and so you talked about what could he do? I don't think it's gonna be in the standings this year. I, yeah. I think that if that's the if that's what the evaluation is, then it's gonna come up unsatisfactory. But for me, it's again, it's about can you are you developing players? Developing. Yes, I'm are saying players that. exceeding expectations? Are players on your side of the ball where your expertise are exceeding expectations? Yeah. Are fifth round picks playing like second round picks? Are third round picks playing like first round picks? Did you find a potential quarterback? Like that's where it's going to have to be. That's what mm-hmm. he's going to have to sort of um, hang his hat on. Right. And there's a lot of people. I have good buddies of mine in the league who've worked for Andy Reid and they've told me conversations they've had with Andy Reid over the years. And one, you know, who worked in Philadelphia has told me this story probably 30 times, like, you know, having a conversation with Andy Reid and and Andy Reid's asking him, you know, sort of on the QT, like evaluate my coaching staff for me, evaluate my position coaches for me, kind of like, you know, self scouting from the inside. And so the guy's like, well, what do you think our standards like? What, 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 what should my checklist be? What do you think I should be looking for? And Andy's like, I don't know. You tell me. And this guy's like, well, I'll tell you how I evaluate coaches. It's let me look at his pool of players. Let me look at where they were drafted and how much they're paid. And then mm. who is right, who is meeting those levels, who is falling below those levels, and who from their position group is exceeding those expectations. And that's the, that's the paradigm I'm going to use to evaluate all these guys. And that's always stuck with me. And I think if, if I were representing Josh McDaniels, if I was his agent, 
You know, that's the kind of conversations I'd be having with ownership right now. Like, yeah. did we mess some personnel stuff up last year? Yes. Did we give too much money to a quarterback who I couldn't fix and then bring in his best buddy from college, you know what I mean, on a big contract, <laughs> closer to 30 than 25, right, age-wise? And, like, did we do all that? Yeah. And it's that, that experiment's not going to work. But here's my long-term vision. Here's how we're going to, you know, be able to – maybe ball on a budget a little bit or turn this thing around while the quarterback's not making 45 or 50 a year, right? While we can sort of use some of those, those assets on the defense to kind of try to finally buy a defense and maybe buy it the right way. Cause you can't develop everything on the fly right. while I cultivate young offensive talent for you that are going to outproduce their pay rate. Right. Yeah, and that's what we've been saying here on the show, uh, Jason. Is that if you know fans want their team to win, there's no question, and they should, uh, and that should yes. be the expectation. But I, I've said this year that what you have to look for because they're all oh, Josh McDaniels on the hot seat. I said I don't think he's on a hot seat because I think Mark Davis they're bought into the long term plan, and Mo and I talk about this all the time. And so this year, unless he loses the locker room and it's a complete disaster, it's drama fest in there or something yeah. like that, I don't see it because they are building, they are doing that. And you have to set that system up. And to your point, you have to develop talent. You have to draft it and acquire it, of course. And Dave Ziegler is part of that as well. But you have to be able to develop that and get the most out of those guys. And they have some that they've drafted their first year last year that haven't panned out yet so far. But the the, the book is not closed on them. And then you have the influx of talent this year. So so it, it's it's refreshing to hear that from you because we we try to talk about that here. Uh, and and be objective about it, but I think people want results quickly. I mean, we live in a world where it's instant gratification. Well, and they so haven't had results in forever, so I Correct. get it. You know what yeah. I mean? And you've yeah. watched these other franchises go from around. yeah, like the Bengals. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you've watched teams go from the dregs, you know, like the Bucks. You know, mm-hmm. like you've watched it happen pretty quickly for other franchises. You know, the Rams, and it's like, when do we get that? I, yeah, that's what fans should be asking. I mean, that's the, you're paying the same ticket prices, if not more, than those other teams. <laughs> the you highest know? in the league you should be getting something. Exactly, should be getting something for it. <laughs> that's right. Well, Jason, man, we appreciate uh, uh, everything and, and spending so much time with us. And again, we'll get you on My soon. Pleasure. Uh, Jason Lockenfor, you can follow him on Twitter at Jason Lockenfor, his full name. And of course, catch his podcast in the huddle, as well as his work on the Washington Post. And he's around Odyssey all the time. So if, you, if you're looking for great content online, just search his name. You'll find great NFL stuff. Jason, we'll catch you next time. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. All right. Thank you. I appreciate you, it. Sir. I know a lot of Raider Nation who listens to the show is not going to be happy with what Jason had to say. And, and I don't necessarily agree with everything he said. But I do think it follows kind of the same track we've been talking about, which is, yeah, not a Super Bowl team, maybe not even a playoff team. Uh, but at the end there, the whole thing about progress, developing talent, to me, that will determine whether or not the season is a success. And yeah, can they have a winning record? I think I still think they can. I think people are still under, even Jason, I think are underrating them a little bit. But that's if everything goes the right way. Now, the key thing you remember, he did say he was high on them last year. He had them. Everybody. I, I, listening to him, he had them as basically a, could be a wild card team. Mm-hmm. A lot of things fell apart. So he was along with us on that one. I think we all in agreement that the Raiders have kind of an uphill battle to get to the playoffs. I think you have now have them now at nine wins. I have them at seven. 
Jason may be a little lower, but he's talked about a lot of things that we've talked about and fans have talked about. What is the defense going to look like? Because I think that's going to that's going to decide whether the Raiders shock a lot of teams and they see the expectations or they they fall in line with what the Vegas line and what what a lot of uh, pessimists or people who are skeptical say about them because you look at the linebacker core I've said it over and over again how is that unit going to perform do they have a as he said a robin for Max Crosby's Batman on the back <laughs> end does Mac does Marcus Peters bounce back after a down year does Coy Bennett play well as a rookie I think he will but it's still a question mark so there every level of defense they have a big question mark or a concern so I understand why why he has his uh his, his skepticalness about yeah. about the Rays and what they could be this year. Sure, absolutely. And and hey, they could prove him wrong. They could prove everybody wrong, and that's fine too. It happens, but that's I think a realistic approach. And I know people won't want to hear it because sometimes the hardest thing to hear is the truth, truth. or at least <laughs> at least what the battle Honestly. will be for you to overcome your obstacles. Right? Doesn't mean they might do it. You never know. I mean. You look at other sports and teams do it all the time, uh, including Major League Baseball. The the Cincinnati Reds picked to finish with 100 losses, and here they are in the wild card race. So you you never know. Anyway, okay, we're going to step aside. When we come back, we're going to be joined by our second guest today. That is Benjamin Albright. He's a Broncos insider, hosts uh, Broncos Country Tonight up on KOA in Denver. We're going to get the lowdown on uh, Russell Inc., and Sean Payton and how that's all going in Denver. You're with Mo and Scott. This is Silver and Black Today. Don't go anywhere. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back here. Home stretch on Silver and Black today. Heard on the bet in Las Vegas for our radio listeners. Welcome back. And for everyone who listens to us as an Odyssey Originals podcast, we thank you as well. Make sure you hit the subscribe, auto download button. Scott Branson, Mo Moten back with you. We're here talking Raiders and Broncos. And when we want to talk Broncos, there's only one guy I turn to. That, of course, is Broncos insider Benjamin Albright. You can hear him on Broncos Country tonight on KOA in Denver. Benjamin, man, since the last time we talked, a lot has changed up there. And, of course, we got to start with Sean Payton. Sean Payton comes in. The Sean Payton era begins Sunday against the Raiders at at Mile High. Talk to me a little about this because everybody around the NFL expects the Broncos to make an immediate jump up based on the talent they've had in the past and how it underperformed um, before, especially last year with the disaster that was there offensively. Uh, Sean Payton, talk to me about the culture, the feeling around camp, the feeling around the facility. What do you notice most differently, and how quickly did you did you see that happen? 
Well, the I mean, the change between him and Nathaniel Hackett was was near immediate. Um, there's certainly a more professional vibe here around, uh, you know, the Broncos facility. I will say the media's job's a little harder as Sean Payton is certainly uh, much more buttoned up and, and, and controlling <laughs> than, uh, than Nate Hackett. But, um, you know, it, it remains to be seen how that translates on the field. Um, you know, the practices, uh, there's still some issues with with the things that have plagued the Broncos over the years, whether that's blocking with the offensive line, whether that's, you know, the quarterback maybe understanding the system um, or, 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 you know, receivers hanging out of the football. Uh, so it's, you know, offensively, there was nowhere to go but up because it was a historically bad offense last year. That said, uh, I'm not sure anybody expecting Russell Wilson to transform into Drew Brees and sling the ball over the yard. I'm, I'm not sure that they are dealing in reality at the moment. So, Benjamin, this is Mo jumping in here. I, I saw I crept your Twitter and you had to kind of quell talk or chatter that Jared Stidham looked better than Russell Wilson uh, even before the preseason ended. Where are you on Russell Wilson's development? Is he on his way back to being the Pro Bowl player that we saw him in Seattle? Or is he still closer to the guy that we saw last year who struggled under Nathaniel Hackett? I don't think he looks as bad as he did last year, but he certainly hasn't looked as good as he did in, say, the 2020 season. Um, I, I would say, you know, with any – thing there's there's three sides to it you know his hers and the truth and i would say that that's probably uh, uh probably accurate here that uh, you've got a situation where russ is not quite the player he was in 2020 but certainly not the player he was last year either uh, as far as jared stidham goes jared stidham didn't even look better than ben denucci most of training camp so <laughs> the idea that he looked better than russ was, was ludicrous um you know and, and and that's the thing like last if you go back and look i mean in the last preseason game jared stidham had a had a big yardage total and, and all that kind of stuff but uh reality is he's not uh, if you go look at the all 22, he's throwing the ball behind receivers. And uh, he's, I mean, you guys are familiar with Jared I mean, he's not a starter in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. We talk about Russell Wilson and, and the reason I love following you so much too, because those of us who cover specific teams, we know that the, the people on the ground, the people who are covering the team on a day-to-day -day basis have the best beat to what's going on. You start to see a lot of the coverage nationally, Benjamin, about Russell Wilson and Sean Payton on how Payton's had these come-to-Jesus meetings with him about, hey, you got to put Russell Inc. aside and focus on the team. Help us separate the fact from fiction on that and what's happened and how is that relationship developing between the two of them? Well, I mean, Russ always wanted Sean Payton as a head coach. You know, he wanted to reinvent himself as Drew Brees and, and, and all that kind of stuff. He's very concerned with his football legacy and, uh, you know, thinks he's one of the best to ever do it and wants to, you know, wants to leave the game as uh, a reputation of one of the best to ever do it. And I'm not sure that that, that aligns with his game. I mean, his game is predicated a little differently. Uh, Sean Payton, uh, you know, there's a bit of an ego there. Uh, and so a lot of the stuff that you're seeing out there right now uh, is coming directly from Sean Payton to people like, well, I told Russ he needs to put away the, the PR stuff. Well, Russ was doing PR stuff the Broncos asked him to do last year. You know, what was he going to do? Say no. Um, so, you know, I, I, part of this, I mean, part of this whole media tour with Russ thing was the Broncos' fault because, they, you know, they got the new quarterback and they did the same thing they did with Peyton Manning uh, when Manning got here. It was, you know, the car wash, he's at everything and he's showing up and, you know, and getting the fans excited. Uh, the difference is, is you had a head coach that just wasn't prepared to be a head coach and, uh, and you know, and, and it, it, it created a bad situation last year, a lot of animosity. So, 
the fact and the fiction, I mean, you know, Sean Payton's in here trying to improve things, sure, but a lot of the glowing stuff that you hear about Sean Payton or Sean Payton, the, you know, the uh, the guy who told him to quit Russ Incorporated or whatever, uh, that's coming from Sean Payton, and that's, you know, that's for a reason. Uh, Russ is a very private person. He's not putting anybody's business, including his own, out there. Um, you know, you'll see you'll see the photo stuff, but you'll never see Russ out there talking about Russ and or, or talking about others in that regard. So there's a lot of talk about Russell Wilson, and rightfully so, had a disastrous year. So everyone's focused on the quarterback position. But, but correct me if I'm wrong here. I, I think Sean Payne's had some pretty good run games in New Orleans. They signed some IJP Ryan. They add two offensive linemen in Ben Powers and Mike McGlinchey. Do you feel like there's going to be less pressure on Russell Wilson to carry the offense with an improved run game? Well, I, I think that the offense is going to be predicated around the run game uh, with, the, with the short pass game being an extension of that. Um, I, I, like I said, I think anybody expecting the Drew Brees offense is not dealing in reality. This is going to be a lot closer to the Taysom Hill offense uh, than it was the Drew Brees offense. You're going to see a lot of running the football. Um, this might be this might be the most run-heavy team in the NFL when all said and done, at least by percentage basis. So, um, you know, I think uh, I, I think you're going to see a lot of a lot of power running. You, you'll see Jaleel McLaughlin get about eight touches a game in the uh, kind of the Darren Sproles role. Uh, you're going to see a lot of passes to the backs. Uh, Javante and, and Samaj P. Ryan both are excellent pass catchers, despite being you know power runners and power backs not necessarily being uh, thought of as, as great pass catchers. Uh, and I think you'll see a lot to the tight end. Um, you know, Cortland Sutton is going to take over kind of the Mike Thomas role. He'll be the slant guy. Uh, Jerry Judy's injured right now, but you'll you see somebody take over that backside, that kind of Z role right now. Marvin Mims and, and Brandon Johnson seem to be those guys. Um, but this this offense is going to be very run heavy and very, very running back oriented. And I think you'll see Russ take off a lot more than he did last year. I mean, last year he was playing at darn near 240 pounds. He's down to 215 now. Um, so I think you're going to see Russ take off a little more. Let's switch to the defensive side of the ball, Benjamin. And you look at the signings, obviously, Zach Allen, uh, Frank Clark there to to a defense that has always done pretty well. Uh, talk a little bit about where they're at, what you're seeing as far as this defense holding its own, because obviously the division continues to get better. I mean, you could argue some people are arguing the Raiders aren't getting much better, but that they have a pretty good offense. Uh, and as you pointed out on Twitter the other day, they the Broncos have not beaten the Raiders since 2019, uh, December 2019. Uh, when you look at that unit and the coaching and all that stuff that's happening in Denver, uh, is this unit, it's never been a top five unit, but it's been pretty dang good. Do you continue to see them being more dominant on defense? Well, yeah, I do. I mean, this defense is good and, and they've not been top five the last few years, mostly by virtue of how much they've been on the field because the offense is stuck. Uh, if you look at, you know, you start to look at a per play basis and metrics like that, the defense has been mostly top five in that in that span, top seven at worst. Um, and, and I do think you're going to see that. It's going to be a little bit different this year because during the Vic Fangio era and the Jero Vero who continued that, you, you know, you kind of saw a defense that uh, sent the least amount of pressure that they needed to and dropped everybody back. Vance Joseph is a lot more aggressive, wants to send everybody at the quarterback so you're going to see a lot more pressure coming. Um, the Raiders picked on that defense a lot over the last couple of years. You saw Derek Carr picking on the Broncos in the flats because that's where that cover four defense was susceptible. Um, that that doesn't really exist anymore. Um, they're running some, you know, they're running some stuff that covers the flats. They're running some, a lot more middle of the field clothes than they used to, uh, and they're certainly sending a lot more people after the quarterback. So you're going to see a lot more sacks out of this defense. Now they'll probably give up a few more big plays than they used to, but uh, you're certainly going to see some uh, some differences. Like hey, over the last couple of years, I think you've seen four total defensive back blitzes, uh, nickelback blitzes, 
um, you know, out of this defense. We saw more of that in the preseason than than, than I care to, to to imagine. So <laughs> you're going to see some things that you haven't seen the last couple of years. This isn't the same defense that they had, uh, you know, philosophically. Even if they talk about it being that same philosophy, it's not um, that they were running under Vic and Averro. So you're going to see a lot more aggression out of this defense. So you have a pulse out there in Colorado. I remember when the Broncos acquired Russell Wilson, their Super Bowl odds immediately shot up. Are fans out there now more skeptical because of what happened last year, or has Sean Payton just completely kind of changed that where it's it's we're making the playoffs and we're going to actually win playoff games? And the second part of this question is, are fans out there more excited for the Broncos this year or Colorado with Deion Sanders doing what he's doing or did what he did with TCU last week? Well, it's funny that you say that because I was going to incorporate that in my answer as you were uh, as you were asking the question. I, I think fans here have a healthy skepticism because they've been through, uh, you know, the number of coaches that they've been through since they've been successful. Um, and so I think there is a healthy skepticism there. Like, hey, OK, Sean Payton's here. But, you know, we had Russell Wilson last year. Like, what is you know, what does this mean? Let's let's see it before we. Uh, uh, you know, before we anoint them. And that said, I think that Deion Sanders coming in, talking the talk and then walking the walk, I, I think that created more optimism for Broncos fans mm. uh, that Sean Payton could come in here and turn things around quickly than uh, than perhaps there was before Deion won. So, uh, you know, I think that uh, the Broncos dominate the dial here. I mean, if you pay attention, you get in the weeds on the radio stuff. I mean, the Broncos are a 93%, 91 to 93%, you know, what you should be talking about. But the Buffs may start eating into that. Uh, especially if they continue to win, they beat Nebraska this weekend, which you know is a big ask because they're a good uh, uh, they're a good run team. But I think uh, I, I think what Dion has done has created more optimism for the Broncos and not not necessarily taken away from it. Yeah, people are pumped up about football in general. Not to mention the Denver Nuggets, but that's a separate conversation. Uh, Benjamin, last question I have for you. When you look at this team and obviously how things have changed so significantly with Sean Payton in charge there, and of course over last year when new ownership take o- took over, um, what's the what's the ceiling for this team this year? Is this an 8, 9, 10? What are you thinking as far as the Broncos netting out uh, this season in the NFL? I've said it's a seven to 11 win range. I mean, if everything breaks correctly, you know, and, and you know, the defense is on fire, maybe you get to 11 wins, um, you know, and, and they do have a soft schedule to start the season. So that can help um, the, the flip side of that. You know, if, if you, you start getting injured and, and everything goes the wrong way, I think you're looking at probably a seven win team. Um, you know, they're, they're thin at receiver right now. Uh, and, you know, and if they, they get any more injuries there, that could that could be a problem. Um, the offensive line, even with the additions, uh, still struggled a bit. And that's that's been a problem for me. Defensively, I think they're going to be fine. The question is, is the offensive side of the ball, the running backs line and receivers stay healthy. And if they do, uh, I think that can carry them to, you know, eight, nine, ten wins is probably the most likely outcome. And then, you know, they get a couple of breaks, maybe to 11. Uh, I think they flirt with the playoffs. I think they'll be com- competitive into December uh, and January. And, um, you know, whether or not they can they can push through the playoffs and maybe be a wild card team remains to be seen. All right. There you go. Benjamin Albright, follow him on Twitter or X, whatever the heck you want to call it these days. He is at Albright NFL. You can also catch him on KOA in Denver on Broncos Country tonight. Benjamin, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much for the time. Absolutely, guys. Take care. Thanks again, Benjamin Albright, KOA Denver Broncos tonight, uh, Broncos Insider. Always good stuff from Benjamin Moe and a good follow on Twitter, by the way. I love how he dishes it out, takes it back, uh, and and he's polarizing. You know, Raider Nation has its Josh Debeau. Now, he's not, he's not that hated, but there's like a small percentage of Broncos fans <laughs> 
who who really go after him, and it's it's very odd. But anyway, we appreciate Benjamin being on. All right, Mo, as you can see, the Mostradamus crystal ball is back out. If you're watching us on YouTube, you know what I'm talking about. And I know Kelly Kreiner is going to make this into his next T-shirt to go with the Mo Plus 4 and all the other Midtown Mo shirt, everything that's <laughs> out there, the whole line of Mo Moten gear. The high-end stuff's going to be called just Maurice. That, that's just nuts, by the way. <laughs> it's all good. It, it's that's, all good. Love it. Yeah, Hard work it pays is. off, my friend. Um, but anyway, Broncos, Raiders. Tell me what you're thinking about this game. Uh, it's at uh, four and a half points the last time I checked. Um, and Russell Wilson's a go, uh, as we heard. Uh, Jerry Judy, not so much. But when you look at this Denver team, the defense clearly good still defense. The offense should be better. I mean, it couldn't be any worse. What are you thinking about this game, uh, week one of the Raiders up in Mile High? Okay, so this is fresh on my mind because I just put out the betting column for Bleacher Report. And I had the analysis on that game, of course. <laughs> and I have I have the Raiders winning outright 24-21. Now, just to explain how things work out, if you're going to look at the betting column over on Bleacher Report, NFL Week 1 picks by experts, four out of seven of us have the Raiders covering the spread, which means... We think the Raiders are at least going to lose by less than four points or four and a half points. I have the Raiders winning outright, and another one of my colleagues has the Raiders winning outright, which kind of shocked me because, generally speaking, our, our panel is usually kind of low on the Raiders. But this uh, this year, maybe it's a Russell Wilson thing. Maybe I, I think that's part of it. A lot of my colleagues don't think Russell Wilson is going to bounce back or he's going to at least have a slow start. So... We're taking the Raiders against the spread. If you're betting against the spread, I would feel confident about that number at four, four and a half, either one. But if you're picking the Raiders outright, I wouldn't be shocked if they won a game because Benjamin Albright pointed this out on on Twitter X. The Raiders have beaten the Broncos six straight games. They haven't beaten the Raiders since the Raiders moved to Las Vegas. So yeah, they haven't beat them since 2019 December. So it they have they have a, a solid streak. They have had the Broncos number. Yes, and and I'm not going to give a score, but uh, up on sportsnot.com, all the writers and editors are picking games weekly as well. And you're right, only two of us uh, out of the five pick the Raiders. Uh, our good friend and editor uh, Vincent Frank over there as well picked the Raiders uh, to win. And that's not against spread, that's just straight up, right? So these are straight up picks. But in his weekly betting column, Vincent also took the Raiders over the Broncos as the as sports not lock. Like, that is the lock. That's the game that they think, above all else, is going to be a good bet for folks out there. So so there's some there's some energy here around the Raiders in Denver, uh, which I think is some of the skepticism I've had over the Broncos, especially early in the season until they get that system. We saw what happened with Josh McDaniels last year, a new coach coming in. I think Sean Payton will be successful there eventually, but it's going to take some time. And so I like the Raiders. The fact that they get to play at mile high the first week of the season is actually beneficial to them, despite the changes they've had. So so I'm, I'm there with you. It should be real interesting uh, to see how this game. But we will be there. Mo will have his live Bleacher Report after the game, correct? Yes, that's correct. As soon as the game's be, over. As soon as the game's over, Mo's on. We will all, I will also be on. By the way, I'll announce right now, and we're going to have a, a blitz with him tomorrow here on silver and black today but um the the 
pro sports fan app that we talked about with Sean that I'm going to be doing uh, live in-game kind of Manning cast type stuff. You can watch it on your phone and we're there the whole game. Myself and if for those of you familiar in Raider Nation, Big Corey. Yes, Big Corey. So, yes, the odd couple. It's going to be the odd couple. <laughs> but we're going to have fun, man. I'm telling you. Uh, he's gonna, I think he might have me laughing the whole game is what's going to happen. If you thought Scott and I were polar opposites, <laughs> Corey and Scott are like North and South Pole. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be a pretty interesting mix. Get familiar with Corey and his work. It's pretty hilarious. His, yeah. his, the voiceovers that he does, the commentary that he does. Looking forward to seeing this duo. That spawns over on PSF. <laughs> it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be fun. So we'll do that. And then we will also have our post-game show. Uh, so stay tuned for details with that with Murph. Uh, and if Mo can hop in, he will. Uh, Sundays are a crazy day for him. And now for me more than ever, uh, because back in the business full time. So it's going to be fun, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I know you tweeted out. Um, was it uh, maybe either Wednesday, maybe it was Wednesday, where you said, hey, 10 years of covering the NFL, that excitement because you were doing your work, getting ready for the season. Uh, I know fans feel it. Um, and and even though we had Jason Lock and Flora talk about the Raiders not being so good this year, people are still excited, and you should be. Uh, but just so you know, for those of us who cover it, it's just as exciting, right? We look at it objectively, but at the same time, it's just as exciting. The fact that we get to work in this mo is is a blessing beyond beyond words. I compare it to the jitters you get, and I I know everyone didn't love school back in the day, but you remember <laughs> that first day of school? You know, you're looking forward to seeing people, or you're looking forward just to having a fresh new year, just a fresh. New everything, right? Especially if you're going to a new school. You may have some jitters, oh, yeah. right? Especially if you're a Raider fan, you may have some jitters about this team too. So there's some parallels there. But you're still excited. Like that, you know, laying out your first outfit, waiting for that first game. You're going to have to throw on your Josh Jacobs jersey, Devontae Adams jersey, maybe your Jimmy Garoppolo jersey, your Max Crosby jersey, and get ready for the game. So for the fans out there, whether the prognosis or our expectations are high or low, whatever the case may be, be excited for the season because I think it's a lot sweeter when your team is able to exceed those expectations yes. and prove a lot of people wrong. Very well said and a great way to end the show. Mo, uh, I will see you at some point Sunday um, and, and we'll have a lot of fun. Make sure you follow Mo on Twitter because he's got a lot of work going on. And so if you're going to follow all of it, the best thing to do is just follow him on the X on Twitter at Mo Moton, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. You can follow me at LV Gully going into the weekend we have you have writing, you have your lives. I have writing. We have all this stuff going on. So just 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 go there, and you'll you'll see what we're up to. So we appreciate it. Um, Mo, enjoy, my man. I'll talk to you Sunday night. I'll get some sleep, recharge my batteries, <laughs> and get ready for Sunday. Vitamins, lots of smoothies, man. Lots of avocado. That <laughs> avocado oil is really good for you. It's good fats, right? And so you're gonna soak that in, man. You're gonna need that. It's gonna be good. All right. For our producer, Mike Robier, for Momotin, I am Scott Branson. This has been Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast, also heard on The Bet in Las Vegas. And we'll talk to you on Sunday night.